welcome to IOM3 Investigates, the podcast series of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. We are one of the UK's major science and engineering institutions and our activities are focused on the promotion and development of all aspects of the materials cycle. These include the science, design, engineering and technology of materials, minerals and mining and their practical applications. We facilitate qualifications, professional recognition and development, share knowledge and provide networking services to a global membership and wider community. We hope you enjoy our podcast series. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of IOM3 Investigates. I'm Fiona Robinson, Senior Research Fellow in Electrical Machine Design at the University of South Wales and Vice Chair of the IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining, also known as WIM3 Committee. I am delighted to host this podcast series focused on speaking with women in various backgrounds and industries, from engineering and materials to minerals and mining, to chat a bit about their careers and how they got to where they are now, be it by education, industry or other routes. I am joined now by Ruth Allington, who is the principal at Allington Collaborative Problem Solving Limited. Ruth is an independent consultant who is an experienced engineering geologist with specialist skills and knowledge in construction materials development and quarry design. Ruth is a trainer, teacher and mentor of students and early career practitioners and non-specialists. Ruth is passionate about taking collaborative approaches to facilitate problem solving and dispute avoidance. She's also an experienced expert witness. So Ruth, can you first tell me a bit about your educational background and how you were first introduced to the possibility of a career in materials? Well, I, I think the question's very interesting. You talk about a career in materials, and I, I suppose it is a career in materials, but I, I, I became interested in, in geology at school through my passion for physical geography. But geology was not offered as, a, as an A-level subject mm. at school. There was an enthusiastic geography teacher who gave a few of us the opportunity to study geology O-level, GCSE equivalent, of course, yeah. now, in our lunchtimes and, and, and after schools. And so I did that. And when it came to be time for looking at, at what I wanted to do at university, I really fancied geology, but I didn't quite feel confident enough to do pure geology just on the basis of, of an O-level. Yeah. But... And so I, I looked at, at joint honours programmes yeah. and the programmes I looked at were particularly at Exeter in, in geography and geology yeah. and King's College London. And I thought I'd probably choose Exeter because, you know, it's close to Dartmoor and the coast and all the wild places I'd love to I'd love to visit. And I, I wasn't I think I wasn't interviewed there. But I had an interview at King's, so I went up to London thinking, well, I'll go and it'll be an experience. But I, I landed up I landed up in uh, at King's and there were two things that, that influenced that that decision. Mm-hmm. One was that I thought the singing would be better because I'm a very enthusiastic amateur singer. <laughs> and at King's College London, they have a chapel choir. Mm-hmm. 
uh, which I aspired to and which I which I got into and enjoyed enjoyed very much. And the other was the interview itself. I was interviewed in geology and geography, but the interviewer in geography was Professor John Pugh, a really redoubtable old school surveyor. He'd mm. done primary triangulation in Africa and, you know, just the most extraordinarily lovely guy. Yeah. And he said, now, Miss Allington, I, I, I'd like you to tell me what you noticed about the geomorphology of the Strand. And I thought, wow, what a question. You know, I'm in the yeah. city. Come on. Yeah. The city. Yeah. The city. <laughs> anyway, he was extremely kind and levered out of me the answer that that we were on a river terrace of the River Thames. Yeah. The, the 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 strand is set up above above the Thames yeah. and all the streets like Savoy Street and Surrey Street. Yeah. Um they go steeply down to the to the embankment yeah. and that's the edge of the river terrace. And that really dropped the scales from my eyes that of course, you know, cities cities have geology beneath them. <laughs> they they have shape, they have morphology, you know, yeah. the ground has shape and morphology. And already I was interested in engineering geology because the Mr. Holt, the, the geography teacher who, who taught us O-level geology, had taken us to Portsmouth Polytechnic, now the University of Portsmouth. Yeah. Um, and we went to visit the engineering geology labs, and that really caught my imagination. I don't know. I don't know why, but I just thought, ah, oh, I think I think this is this is this is for me. And so I was really lucky at London University for joint honours students. Um, it was practically free choice as to which course units I could put together. Yeah. There were a few obligatory courses in in the in the first year. But after that, I could choose physical geology, um, structural geology uh, and, and stratigraphy, for example, and physical geography, which is which is where my passion lay. And, yeah. and those go together absolutely brilliantly for engineering geology and engineering geomorphology. Yeah. I was extremely fortunate in my in my teachers and, um, and mentors at, at university. Dennis Brunston, uh, 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 an amazing geomorphologist who had who had become more and more interested in engineering geomorphology and you know, the, the application of geomorphology yeah to civil engineering and you know really understanding what what landforms meant particularly in relation to ancient landslides but also the morphology of of of, of landsliding in, in man-made structures such as the the colliery spoil heap at Aberfan in 1969 that, that engulfed a, a school and um uh, was it 1969 I can't Must have been about that time. I think it, I think it was. Yeah. Yes. No. It was. It was early. It was 1966. I beg your pardon. Yeah. It was October yeah. 1966. I was seven, and this this was really a, an exciting and emerging area of of practice. Yeah. And Dennis was was at the centre of it in London. The Rock Mechanics Research Group at Imperial College was was working working hard on on these on these kinds of on these kinds of issues and towards the end of my second year I'd say I'd I'd already signed up to do a geological mapping because mapping is the foundation of, of geology yeah. so I, I knew that that was the right thing to do yeah. but I hadn't I hadn't signed up to do um, an independent geographical project right. But I was cycling one day to my flat in Bronsbury Park after chapel yeah. where I and I suddenly thought, oh, you're a fool. You know, you really should have done something that's that's your piece of work. Yeah. 
but I was, I'd missed the deadline really. But I went off to see my tutor, Dennis Brunston, and I said, you know, am I too late? To which he replied, no, no, no. He said, I, I, I know just, I, I know just, just the man who's got an interesting project that that um, might suit you, and here's his number. And you know, so this this man's name was Jeffrey Walton. He knew Dennis through the Rock Mechanics Research Group and through work on the Oakhampton bypass at that time. And I phoned him up and said, oh, hello, my name's Ruth Allington. Oh, yes, I know all about you. And (laughs) to cut a long story short, he invited me to Charlbury in Oxfordshire, which is where his office is based, and discussed the project, which was all concerning the valley side at Abervan near Abervan, yeah. not so much the the, the colliery spoil disaster, but in relation to the A470 trunk road, yeah. which was being planned at, at that time and yeah. crossed the Aran landslip yeah. just south of, of Abervan. And really interesting subsidence fissures yeah. on, on the valley side. So there was a really wonderful combination of understanding the subsurface and, and the, the former mining and how that had influenced the, the, the geomorphology of the ground surface. Mm-hmm. And so there was mapping there, there was interpretive stuff. So it was a great, it was a oh, great yeah. project to do. One of the most poignant things about that was that when I did my field work, I stayed with a woman I'd met when I was with Jeffrey in the cafe at the site mm. of the school that was destroyed. Yeah. And it was it was really quite spooky because I was the only person of my generation. I was I was seven years old when the yeah. disaster happened yeah. and most of those children were of that sort of age. Yeah. So, you know, it really brought home to me why this stuff matters. Yeah. You know, why why preventing and mitigating natural disaster yeah. you know it's a life and death city or can be yeah and jeff offered me a offered me a job oh, that's i went off to durham university to do um, a master's in engineering geology and came back and worked at uh, it was initially called it was called the jeffrey wharton practice when i when i joined it i became a partner in 1989 and after Jeff's retirement from the business in 2005, I was joint senior partner uh, in what became GWP Consultants until I retired from the business in September 19, uh, 2019. So you and spent all your career in in one, in one company, yeah. Yes. But obviously doing a variety of different projects over that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and really changing and evolving with the business you know in a small business that's that's the way things that's the way things work out so in in one sense rather rather pedestrian and boring to be in one place for a whole career but in another sense incre- well mostly incredibly fortunate to do that and and um, not to be at the behest of shareholders you know yeah yeah. So, and then when you retired from that role, you decided you hadn't had enough of work, and you <laughs> set up your consultancy. Yes, I mean it's just me. I'm a I'm a freelance. I'm, I'm I try and be, work part time and do what 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 I enjoy. I do a lot of professional voluntary activity with the Geological Society. The European Federation of Geologists, the Institute of Quarrying and, and various others. But yeah, I'm I'm blending, I'm trying to blend not only my my expertise and experience in in in, in quarry design, yeah. which is which is where I, you know, where I've specialized, yeah. 
all my career, but also in, in dispute resolution and facilitation and, and mediation. So also including um, community mediation. These, these are things that I've, I've, I've developed during yeah. my career alongside my technical a- yeah. activities. Yeah, it sounds um, very interesting, quite a broad scope you know, in your new consultancy. It's called a portfolio career. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is just me. (laughs) So what's been your most significant career achievement, in your opinion? I think my most significant achievement during my career was being invited to deliver the Glossop Lecture at by, by the uh, engineering group of the Geological Society of London oh. in 2012. So that's a tremendous uh, honour to be invited to do that. Honor. It was a real honour. I was I was the, the first woman to deliver it and the 13th lecturer. Yeah. There goes with that a regret that I still haven't written written it up um, <laughs> for the for the quarterly journal of, of engineering geology and hydrogeology but i i am determined to do it i think I, so when to, i manage it you know, so that it's definitely recorded you know somewhere yeah. physical yes indeed but um what i've what i've found is that because I'm I'm not an academic and never have been. It's it's a different type of space. Oh, oh, definitely. Yes, and this is similar for you. Used and I make it regularly to the lovely <laughs> people who chase me very very gently and you know I'm I'm very embarrassed about it but um, one of these days I will yeah. I will get my act yeah. together. I'm 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 getting there. You know, yeah. in my head and in my yeah. you know, organization of stuff. So what's been your biggest obstacle or challenge that you faced in your career and how did you overcome it? I think it was making the decision to to leave GWP. And because I've been there for so long, when, yeah, I, I, I just... Um, the obstacle was making the decision and believing that what what I could make of my life outside could be fantastic and, and new. And I think setting up your consultancy rather than just retiring is probably a good step. Otherwise, it might be, you know, too much of a change to go from working full time to retirement. Yes, I wasn't. I certainly wasn't ready. No, ready to retire. No, no. But there were some circumstances that that meant I I would have to. Yeah, that that I that I felt I I I, I didn't fit so well anymore. So mm. I, I decide I decided to to move on. But it it was a liberating thing to do. Yeah. In the end, but but also a painful thing. To oh do. yeah. I think it's very stressful, you know, going into the unknown, but then you can get to a point where you feel comfortable with the decision that you've made. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what what are your future career and professional plans? Well, to try and keep my life under some sort of, you know, in some sort of balance and try not to say yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's been... Well, we know it's been it's been a very difficult and anxious year. For, yeah, you know, particularly this time last year. Like like many other people, I was in a constant state of you know horror and anxiety yeah. about what was unfolding. But actually, this this year has really helped me to 
consolidate, particularly with some amazing training I've been I've been doing with the, um, a woman called Maria Arper at the Centre for Peaceful Solutions yeah. in in London. This is training to be a, a dialogue roadmap facilitator, which is the dialogue roadmap is is a is a framework for facilitated conversations. Yeah. On based based on nonviolent communication, yeah. and this this is I was already a a, a mediator and yeah. a, a particularly a community mediator and a, and a, and a skilled facilitator, yeah. but but this is has really enriched that that practice. So that's a really good opportunity that's arisen for you. A- absolutely, and just to go back to your second your third question, yeah. which was you know what the what do you consider your most significant achievement? Yeah. I think I, I was I was going to go on to say the Glossop lecture, you know, was was a was a, a moment yeah. in time, you know, big moment for yeah. me. But through my career, I've developed a number of of what you might call soft soft skills. Yeah. Initially, through my expert witness practice, I, I got into expert witness practice quite early on through through appearing at planning inquiries yeah. and really enjoyed it and found yeah. I was I was good at it. Yeah. You know, good at providing accessible explanations of technical topics to yeah. non-specialists and particularly lawyers. And of course, they're, they're excellent students because they're very bright, usually. Yeah. Uh, lawyers but you know delivering that specialist expertise but I I also came into contact then with 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 mediation through an arbitration in which I was an expert and it got stuck it went to mediation and it settled and I thought goodness me this is this is such an interesting process yeah because it transformed you know this horrible ongoing years and years of, of of conflict into a resolution that the parties weren't necessarily happy with, but they could live with. And so I got myself some training in mediation and I became through my career more and more convinced that acquisition of these of these types of skills, listening skills, particularly evaluative skills, facilitation skills, leadership skills, I suppose, and actually attending to those as much as to technical CPD and attending to courses. It makes things much more fun and much more interesting, but it also transforms consultancy from from something that's rather rather functional to to being truly um, collaborative and... and, um, Build, you know, I think a good good consultant builds in their own redundancy. Some consultant relations relationships can be can be a bit dependent, yeah. and then you're an extension of the of the client's yeah. office, which is which is fine. Yeah. But, but the most exciting consulting relationships are helping the client to solve a problem and to to then you know take the solution and 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 run with it. So you're you're, you're making some sort of change or or, or transformation. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, I think that's to to have the have had the opportunity to have that realization, and to be able to pass it on to others, and particularly to to young geoscientists and yeah. to academic geoscientists, yeah. has been really important to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, I think those are really valuable skills for people to have to go alongside their technical skills and knowledge. You know, and in you know, in practice, it makes your offering to your clients much broader and valuable to them. So that's that's excellent. And I think it also makes good business because if people have those skills in the workplace, the workplace will be a will be a better place to be for everybody. So 
My final question this morning is, is there anything you wish you'd known or done differently in your early career that you'd recommend to someone embarking on a career in geology? It sounds like your career, it it sounds like it turned out pretty well from when you, you know, first went to King's College. Well, it's, yes, I've I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. But, and I've often pondered on, you know, what, what, what luck, you know, how, to what extent you can make your own luck. And I think, yes, I, I, I was lucky. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a story about a performance of an opera, Mm -hmm. the Leeds Soprano falls ill. There's a shout out to the audience, and actually Bryn, Bryn Terfel, I think, had exactly this with a, with a with a proms performance of of Carmina Burana. Mm. There's an announcement to the audience. You know, the the lead singer has fallen ill. Yeah. Is there anybody who could step in? And the singer steps in. Yeah. But the singer can't step in unless they already know the part. No. So you know, it's a fantastically lucky break. Yeah. But there's there's something about about learning the part, and also I think I've also pondered on why I've been so lucky not to have suffered overt sexism and and discrimination in in, in the workplace, and that's nothing to do with me. I think that 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 is luck. Is there anything else you wanted to? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's. Um, Anything in particular? No. There's certainly nothing I regret. No, no, no. I think it's no good having regrets. I think you can just learn from things and move on. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had difficult times. That's that's for sure. You know, two two particularly difficult times. But what I've noticed is that it is that over 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 time. And, and with with the input of of my professional and personal network, that 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 pain does does recede. And what what I found what I found damaging was holding on to it. Yeah. And I, I also feel much more. I suppose this is this is maturity now. Much more relaxed about struggling. Mm. And that it's all right to struggle. And I'm really passionate about providing safe support for people, yeah. you know, through through mentoring yeah. that has no element of, of, of line management in it or, yeah. or power imbalance. Yeah. You know, providing those opportunities and insights, particularly for for, for women, because I, I I feel that that women are sometimes their harshest critics. I and, think so. Yeah, op- opening up to to where they're struggling, and that is that can be seen and exploited as a, as a witness, both by them and and the people yeah. uh, around them. Yeah. So yeah, perhaps if I'd known that if I'd known that sooner, but yeah, yeah I've, got, think, I've yeah. got older. I've developed I've developed some insights, and that that's one of the things I really want to do in the future is is to help others coming yeah, up yeah. behind. I think that's important. I think that's really important. And I think, I think as well as maturing yourself, I think times have changed a bit because I think, you know, when I was young, you know, it wasn't the done thing to say I'm struggling or I need to talk to someone or I need someone to listen to me. I think things fortunately have changed a bit so that it's become more acceptable and normal to actually come forward and say I need someone to at least listen or help me. 
Exactly. And finding a safe space for that, yeah. because there still are people. And, you know, I've, I've listened to absolutely hair raising stories yeah. of, of work situations. Yes. But there, there's, there still are managers, leaders in, in organisations who have no perception of the of the impact yeah. of, of the way they they. Yeah. They behave yeah. on on other people, so I'm I'm very keen that you know that, that all of us are, are, are more are more aware and more demanding of of the help we might we might give to each other, and and you know that's why the existence of of, of this group, women women in materials, and and other groups such as this is is so important for sharing experience, yeah. but also for providing that that sort of you know career support, encouragement, and that yeah. sort of thing. So. Yeah, I think that's that's where I want to. Okay, I'd like to focus some attention. Okay, thank you very much, Ruth. It's been really fascinating meeting you this morning. If you'd like to find out more about the IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals, and Mining Group, please visit the IOM3 website at www.iom3.org or follow us on LinkedIn by searching IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining. Please also don't forget to subscribe to hear more from us through Apple, Google Podcasts or Spotify.